Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heartlifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello, Heartlifters. It is good to be with you today. We're going to be a little casual today because there is just a lot going on. I'm still recovering from that total hip replacement on my right leg, which is my dominant leg. We're getting a brand new roof put on the house. Never had that done because we had constructed a house before. And so we've just never had to put a new roof on while living in the home. And it is quite an adventure. And also we are waiting with breathless wonder and joy and awe for the coming of our baby boy Rairdon, who will be born. His due date is September 29th. We're flying out on the 28th. Oh my goodness, all prayers that he will be on time. If not, I might be having to board a plane earlier than expected. Our second grandchild, our baby boy. And I just can't express to you what it's like. I, I, many of you are grandparents, so you already know. But it is just, uh, whew, it's just something to see that lineage, to see that legacy you dreamed about decades and decades ago come to fruition. Yes, I wrote a lot about Rob and I having a vision and a mission for our family in my very first book, Rock Solid Families, Transforming an Ordinary Home into a Fortress of Faith, came out way back in 2007. Still so proud of that book. I can't wait to get in it and rewrite it now that my children are all adults. I have a lot more wisdom and a lot more to share. And it is my ardent desire to get that book rewritten and republished somehow, some way, very soon. But today, in our informal manner, I just want to give a solid spiritual footing for where we're heading in season 10. This episode is just going to be about having a spiritual footing. We talk a lot in this community about footing prophetic footing. I write a lot about that in Overcoming Hurtful Words, and I write about it once again in Stronger Every Day. And I just think it's such a powerful, powerful posture in which to live our lives. So we're going to be talking about our prophetic footing, and our prophetic footing is from Philippians 4. This is going to be for all of season 10. Philippians 4, particularly verses 8 through 13. But today I'm going to go ahead and start right from the beginning of Philippians 4. It's such a powerful, powerful passage of ancient wisdom written by the Apostle Paul himself. He writes, Therefore, my brothers, and we will add sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm. Stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Eudodia and I entreat Sinedici to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companions, help these women. Help these women. Help these women who have labored side by side with me. 
That's going to be so critical as we move forward in this season. Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. If you have a highlighter, highlight that. They've worked, they've labored side by side. Okay, I've said it enough. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Verse six, do not, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These words are so familiar, at least to those of us who have been walking side by side, working and laboring with Jesus for decades. Maybe you're new. Maybe you're just coming to an understanding of what role faith plays in your life. I want you to really focus on these four words. The Lord is at hand. Yes. Maybe walk through your day today. I am challenging myself today. This season is full of challenges. (laughs) This is my proclamation today. I'm going to walk around as I'm gaining my strength with my cane, sometimes without it. I still have pain. Yes, not terrible pain. My hip is solid. It's not slipping anymore. I've seen much, much growth. But I'm very aware and very conscious of how I am relearning a skill that I have completely taken for granted in my life. The capacity to walk, to walk fiercely, to walk quickly and swiftly, to hubba hubba, keep going. I'm not in that season right now. I'm getting a new hip. I'm getting, a, I'm getting familiar with this new hip. Very biblical, by the way. I've been thinking a lot about Jacob. So I'm going to move slowly through my day, consciously speaking these healing, powerful words. The Lord is at hand. I think it's so powerful as I've been pouring over this very familiar passage in my life again, that those four words precede They precede the most familiar verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. How many times have we quoted that to someone? Oh, now you know the word says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your request. We, I'm going to just say me. I'm going to come back. I'm going to roll it back. I know I have said that, quoted that, spoken that, a million or more times to others and to myself. And it has had no, I'm still anxious. I'm still overwhelmed. Well, maybe those preceding four words, the Lord is at hand. If I can understand 
what that means to me personally and then to us corporately as a community, I think it will make all the difference in the world. I know it will. And then the outcome of all of that is the peace of God will then fall upon us. As I say in my practice, suddenly there will just be a download. You do the work, you do the work, you do the heart work, you do hard heart work. And then all of a sudden, it seems as though what you have been trying so desperately either to release or to receive just comes as a download. And you look around and you go, wow, I feel different. Wow. It's the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That serves as a guard to our hearts and our minds, Paul writes here. Verse 8, finally then, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And the outcome of that is in verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Four keys here, four grand charges, initiatives. Whatever you've learned, it's it's showing that we we have an active role in our spiritual formation and our spiritual maturity. It's really up to us. It is not up to our pastors, our elders, our teachers, our Bible teachers, what new Bible study is out. Listen, I love all of those things. I have a Bible study right now that I'm working on that I am just so in love with. Can't wait to bring it to you. But it's up to me at the end of the day and in the beginning of the morning to open my heart and mind and soul and say, God, I know you're at hand. I want to learn from you. I want to receive from you. I have heard you, but I want to keep hearing from you. And I have seen you, but I want to keep seeing you in my life and all the minute in the minutia, you might say, in the minutest ways of my everyday life, those 24 very critical hours, we typically sleep through seven or eight, most of us. So what, 16, 15 hours that we are wide awake. I want to learn. I want to receive. I want to hear. I want to see. And I wrote in the column of my Bible, doesn't this define secure attachment? Now, that's our mental and our mindful footing in this community. To know that we're seen and heard and known and loved and that we belong and that we're safe and that we're secure in our own being and in the relationships that are closest to us. So I wrote, it's so cool how Paul has taught and shown the secure way. I don't know. Maybe that'll be the name of the podcast today. (laughs) The secure way that Jesus offers to you and to me. Okay, verse 10. 
I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. He's talking to the church of Philippi, which my beloved hero influencer Lydia started in her home. Beautiful story in Acts 16. She was a true influencer. Yes. Paul met her by the riverbed with a group of women who were trying to learn and receive and hear and see the teachings they had heard about. Paul and his guys come up and she's like, you've got to come to my house, Paul, and you've got to, you've got to teach us. We want to, we want to learn. And he did and he stayed. And that hence was the beginning of the church at Philippi, which is the book that we're reading now, Philippians. So he's saying, you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity to show that. Not that I'm speaking of being in need because he says, I have learned. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Wow. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret. There it is. Of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And we said before, we know how he learned this. He learned this in the hardships, in the sinking of ships, in the being bitten by a snake. I mean, so many valleys of darkness and deep despair, prisons. He learned these things in the hard circumstances and relationships of his life. But he also learned them at the heights and the mountaintops. He learned them that way. Because you know, it can be as difficult to be content when you're prospering. Sometimes we put God on the shelf. Sometimes we put the Bible away because everything's so good. We don't really need God, do we? Or we don't think we do. Verse 10. I'm going to just read that again. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, here is where we're really going to hone in. I have learned the secret of contentment, some versions say. He describes it in my version, which is the English Standard Version. I've learned the secret, and he defines contentment in the sense of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. We know in our community here, we hold joy and sorrow at the same time. We can move through our lives. We can walk in the spheres of our influence as heartlifters, exhibiting our healthy sense of self, say it with me, our healthy behavior patterns and our healthy communication skills. We can do that. We can do the hard things, holding joy and sorrow, moving through our spheres, and being content and filled with the peace of God that passes all understanding. Wow, I am preaching to myself here for sure. Who likes pain? Who likes suffering? None of us do. Yet, we can learn. And then in verse 13 is the final outcome of all these precursor, all these proclamations that he makes. He ends with this. I can do 
all things through him who strengthens me. Another verse we probably have heard or been quoted or quoted ourselves so many times without really considering the price, the price, the cost of being able to do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. There's really only one route, one way, and it's the secure way, but it is the way of suffering. The Via de la Rosa, as we learn in Jesus's story, is his road of suffering, the road of pain towards Calvary. So that word uh, lets us look at first. Today I'm only gonna introduce the word learned. I have learned. That's in verse 11. When you take that word to its Greek root, mantharo, mantharo, and I am sure, please have grace for me as I mispronounce these words. It means a disciple. It means to increase one's knowledge. The key here being increase or to be increased in knowledge. Frequently, it means to learn by inquiry or observation. Oh, so good. Ephesians 4.20 affirms this learning, this giving yourself to increasing your knowledge about the secure way of Jesus and his teachings. But this is not the path of the anointed one, which you have learned. Paul is speaking here of mindless, worthless pursuits that the Ephesian church is dedicating themselves to. They're blinding themselves to the true. They're blind to the true understanding. And he's urging the people in this church in Ephesus to no longer walk in the outsider's way. He's saying, you've learned how to walk in the secure way of Jesus. You've learned it. Don't forsake it. Don't walk away from it. Keep increasing your knowledge frequently, daily, in the minutia of life. Every minute of every day, we can be heavenly minded and we can be earthly minded. Now, there was a time in my life I had so much zeal. I was so heavenly minded, I was no earthly good. We want to hold heaven's plan and vision and our purpose here on earth. We are here to advance the kingdom of God. That is why we are here. So today we're honing in on I have learned the secret. Learn, mantario, means to keep on learning and increasing your knowledge frequently. Inquire, observe, seek. You're, you're here. So that's, you're already doing it. Heartlifters, we are disciples. We are people who want to increase our knowledge, the knowledge of God and how to move through life with better, everything being better, better sense of our identity in Christ, better sense of how we behave in every sphere and all of our relationships, a better understanding and knowledge of how to communicate uh, in a wise strategic way, like our beautiful friend Patty Reed helped us to do in her conversational intelligent re intelligence revisit revisit that episode with Patty Reed. It was so filled with ways to increase our capacity to have conversational intelligence. 
Well, one of the primary themes of this season as well is going to be where we learn. And as Paul wrote, the where he learned the secret, right? What is the secret? Okay, well, I'm just going to have to give you a preview of that. I, I just have to. Let me turn in my notes real quick. Wasn't going to go here, but I think I need to. The secret here is found in the meaning of contentment. It really is. And inside of contentment, I'm only going to give you a little hint here today. We learn that part of the word contentment in its deepest transliteration comes from the the word air, A-E-R, to breathe unconsciously, to respire. Remember the wise teaching of Laura Vandernoot Lipsky when she taught us about how to manage our overwhelm. She said, everything has a nervous system. Every person you meet, every geographical location you come into, every church system, every family system, that revelation just changed me. I now, when I walk in anywhere, I go, okay, I'm going to just feel the nervous system of this place or this space or this person, and I'm going to be aware of it, and I'm going to consciously manage my overwhelm while I am in the midst. And you can tell right away the energy of a space, the energy of a person. Sometimes it's super positive, but sometimes it's super negative. Last week for me was a week filled with naysayers and heightened negativity. Well, no surprise, as I'm setting off to help us really dig into the power and the gift of every day. Well, of course, I'm going to be challenged. Obstacles are going to come in the way. That's just the way. It's the way life happens. When we set out with an intention or a strategic goal, we will receive obstacles from, from the enemy of our lives, right? So this atmospheric region, what are we breathing unconsciously every day? That is our point two, our growth point uh, this week as well, is to really look at the atmosphere and the environment of our homes and the hallways of our home. Is it an atmosphere conducive to safety and security and peace and uh, healthy conversations? Yes, we will have conflict, but we can create atmospheres in which we move and breathe and have our being so that we can access this state of contentment, this prophetic footing of learning the state of being content in everything in our life. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. So I found this beautiful writing by Jan Johnson, one of my hero writers of the faith. She has written so many beautiful books and they were my, they were my meat when I was in my 20s and 30s. And she wrote this article, What Happens in Solitude? So I just wanted to read her story. I think she beautifully describes this prophetic footing that we're trying to find our way to, the secret, the secret place 
the place where we are covered and hidden so we can learn and receive and hear and see God moving in our lives. So what happens in solitude? Let's just think about this as we move through our heartlifting journey of understanding the gift of every day. She writes, honestly, practicing a spiritual discipline was the last thing on my mind. I needed to vary my workout routine, so I began an arm swing aerobic walk in our housing track. But then my teenage daughter was embarrassed to have mom turning the corner in faded pink shorts. So I retreated to a lonely canyon road cluttered with garbage and swathed in mud. Because I concentrate hard all day as a writer, I move out of my head. Excuse me. I move out of my head and just be when I exercise. Out on the canyon road, dodging gravel trucks, vulnerable to the heat and miles away from complex thoughts, I found myself alone with God. God showed up in everything around me. The tumbleweeds nested at the edge of the road stood for the stumbling blocks of my life. Annoyances with those I loved, fear of doing difficult things, yearnings for a problem-free life. So I gathered up these bulky briars and hurled them off the cliff-like side of the road. The mountains around me became symbols of God's presence. I named the peaks for what I was hearing from God. The the inviting manger-like ravine became rest. The sharply pointed peak became, don't forget to love. Don't forget to love. Don't forget to love. When we moved through a church split. As I panted, chugged water, and headed into the wind, Those phrases became ways to live life. This is what we're talking about here, heartlifters. The Lord is at hand. Can that become a way to live our life today? She continues, About that time, I'd begun attending a monthly retreat day at a retreat center. But no matter how engaging the speaker was, I found myself skipping the sessions to scramble down a steep creek bank to sit on a huge rock in the middle of the water. Boy, do I relate to that. She writes, there I remained for the day. At that time, I had such lofty opinions of the spiritual discipline of solitude that I didn't think these walks and rock-sitting moments were heroic enough to count as solitude. But they did. Solitude and its accompanying discipline, silence, are absolutely central to our spiritual growth, writes Dallas Willard. No one can expect to have a life in which God lives and moves and has his being, I believe, unless he or she regularly experiences solitude. I couldn't agree more. It's the hardest thing on the planet to do. The gospel writers took the trouble to record Jesus taking huge chunks of time away from ministry and people. Why did they do that? I don't believe Jesus did this to be a good example or because he'd picked up messages on his machine that God expected it. I believe Jesus practiced solitude because he loved being alone with God. I love this. John 10.30, I and the Father are one. Yet, 
she continues, the word solitude or even the idea doesn't appear in the classics as often as you would think. Instead, it is just assumed. Wow. Many of the practices mentioned in The Cloud of Unknowing, Introduction to a Holy Devout Life, or The Imitation of Christ, presuppose, they just pre, they presuppose, they assume that a person is already practiced in solitude, which will provide a setting for trying out the recommended practices. But of course, Solitude is not just about warm, fuzzy moments soaking your feet in a creek. You let go of all the work and people-related things that make you feel important. Appointments, telephone calls, speaking engagements, you add what makes you feel important. Nobody asks for your opinion in solitude. Maybe no one is even missing you. Where are you without those things that support your ego? She writes, when I first began taking off work for regular retreat days, I had to work hard not to think, but I could be working, I could be achieving, I could be doing more. What good is this time in the secret place? What good is this? Well, it seems that it's good for revelation. Henry Nouwen wrote that solitude experiences show that we must be made aware of the call to let our false, compulsive self be transformed into the new self of Jesus Christ. It also shows that solitude is the furnace in which this transformation takes place. Solitude cracks the facade of our false self because in it, in solitude, we discover what we've used to feel productive and get through the day. For those of us who have used productivity, I'm raising my hand, how about you, for self-worth, this is radical. Our false self hooked on productivity has to say yes to whatever is asked so we can feel good or look good. We have to make sure we do the best job that's ever been done to hear someone say, nobody, nobody does it like she does. Our false self, which is hooked on productivity and achievement, wants to hike down a career path faster and further than anyone else. It wants to hurry life away, doing so many things at once. It's to experience that adrenaline high when we can check off everything on our daily to-do list. But in solitude, ooh. All right, this is our lean-in moment because it's a hard one. And we are going to close with this. But in solitude, we are useless. Ugh. Nor is God useful to us. What does that even mean? I will be sitting with that for quite a few moments. We are useless. God is not useful to us. Bernard of Clairvaux noted how we falsely love God for his usefulness, what he can do for us, and not for just himself. When I began designing my own personal retreat days, I often felt tempted to turn those days into a project, she writes, to manufacture revelations or, t- or tingly experiences. I had to counteract that by making no schedule for the day. You know, I do that myself. I, When I go to a quiet place, I do take a book or I do take something, my journal. But I don't start out with that. I try, I've tried to train myself to just be, to just sit on the bench, to just sit under the tree, to sit by the ocean, to just breathe in, to say, God, I'm here. I'm uncomfortable with being quiet. I'm uncomfortable with not doing, not doing. I'm so uncomfortable with being. 
But in time, Heartlifter, I promise, it will get easier. She'll write, Some days I don't touch them at all. Instead, it becomes a God-led day of hanging out with God and not feeling guilty for doing nothing. And then she says on energetic retreat days, she might read through a gospel or meditate on several passages for an extended time. Or she might curl up with a favorite book and get absorbed in making a chart of all of Jesus' healings and comparing details about how Jesus interacted with the people he healed. Or I just might spend the whole day gardening and pondering. Oh, hear this. Please hear. She explains this so well. This is what I went to her for decades ago to learn from her about having a retreat, having mindfulness, as we would call it now, in our life of the spirit. I just might spend the whole day gardening. Some days I just walk around, I'm adding this, around my backyard and just look at all the beautiful flowers that have decided to bloom for the day. She writes, I have no rules about what I do, just that I observe silence and solitude and I try to listen to what God leads me to do that day. So good. So here are our growth points for this time. Our growth point one, we're going to think about what it means to learn to, to learn to be content. That secret. What does it mean to learn that secret? We're going to ponder on growth point two to look at the atmosphere because that is the secret. The A-E-R, the A-I-R in English. What is the atmosphere in our home, in our heart, in our mind, in our life? Am I adding peace? Am I adding calm? Am I making room for calm and peace to enter my home? How am I inviting the Spirit of God into my space? And growth point three, I just want you to notice. I want you to notice and maybe just say a little no so that you can say a little yes to spending some quiet time with God in solitude and silence. We can do this. We do it better together and that's why we're here. So as we close, I do want to ask you and urge you to please Take a moment to say yes to writing a review for the podcast. The more reviews, the more influence. And that, my friends, is why we're here. It's why we're doing this. It's why I'm doing it. I don't teach to talk to myself, although it's quite beneficial. I always gain so much from study and research and learning. But I want to share this. We want to expand the influence of this podcast so that everyone can have an opportunity to become a heart lifter in the spheres of their influence. So easy. Just go to my site, JanelleRairden.com slash podcast. Go all the way to the bottom. You'll see it. It's so easy. I've done all the work for you. All you have to do is leave one sentence and mark the stars, three stars, four stars, five stars. It all just adds to an increase of influence. I need you, Heartlifters. We can't do this alone. I can't do this alone. We need to stand side by side and do this work just like those women that helped Jesus. So until next time, I pray that you will learn and I will learn the secret to being content in all situations. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, Please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairden.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.